I think all families are supposed to snow in summer, right? Anyway, yesterday, so we'll have some fun today. We'll have our family church and whatever you want to do. Let's see. Uh, don't forget, church-wide prayer every Monday from 6 to 7 right here. We're a praying church, so don't yes. be part of that. Uh, a couple more things is the, the funeral home right here. They love to be involved in the community. And if they're, all, they're in contact with me about stuff, we share parking lots, so it's a, it's a nice situation. But they wanted me to tell you guys, every Thursday morning, from 7 to 9 a.m., they have a coffee club in the funeral home. We already know. Yeah. You've been there? If you're free on Thursday morning and you want to hang out at the nursing home, or funeral home, I'm sorry, they got their coffee and uh, go on over there. And they're, they're very good people, by the way. Yeah. Uh, as far as the we just have a handshake with you about it, but they're, they're very involved in the community. Uh, by the way, just to you know, just tell a little bit about them, um, they do a lot of wild stuff. Like uh, when the, for the senior center that, that moved, they do a, like a make-a-wish at the senior center. Uh, a couple people get drawn and they uh, will, will take them and do stuff with them. Like they took one old, really old guy skydiving one time, I guess. Skydiving. So they jumped in that airplane and they paid for it. So they do that for some of them. good people. So they just want to let you know every Thursday morning from 7 to 9, free coffee. All right, and uh, last thing is, um, this is just kind of out of the move, but um, continuing to work in the basement, the kids' church, a lot of things happening down there. Um, I'm going to be here Tuesday about 2 o'clock, and I'm going to be here through the evening doing stuff. So I know some of you like Joe Patrick and, and, and uh, Tom been doing some work. I'm buying more paint. I'll be here with that on Tuesday. So anybody's free want to come out. We got stuff to clean, we got stuff to paint, we're replacing ceiling tiles down there, and all sorts of stuff happening. So if you're free, I know it's last bit, but if you're free, you're welcome to come out this Tuesday afternoon through the evening, and then we'll start scheduling a couple work days to get things done. And also for you mom that got little babies, we got some. Not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, we're gonna have the nursing mom cry when we're finishing the basement. So you'll have a place to take your baby to change them and do whatever you need to do today, okay? So, we'll, we'll put that on the schedule for you guys. All right, that's it, so let's get our Bibles out and uh, get into the Word today. I want to talk to you guys about you today. Is that okay? And you're like, what does that mean? We'll talk about it. Let's talk about the church. Yeah, I don't mean necessarily our church, but I'm talking about the church, and but that includes us. Once a year, for a couple of weeks, I always put on the schedule to talk about church. Now, I think it's important that we spend talking, time talking about us and what it means that we come together, but with the bigger picture of the body of Christ. So this week, next week, maybe week after, we'll see, but we're going to talk about the church. Let's we'll look at Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 13. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. Did you know that you are the church? You know that. Yes. You can poke your neighbor and tell him, you're the church. Let him know that. Tell yes. no, you're the church. But then when we come together and gather, we're the church, right? But then you know that uh, 
The church is, is bigger than us. The church is worldwide, too. So there, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people gathering together over the next 24 hours wherever their time zone hits on the weekend as the church. So the church is an individual that me and you, the church is the gathering of believers together, amen, and the church is the worldwide. So whoever would believe is the church. Amen. Right? Amen. Who is the head of the church? Jesus, the head of the church. We are his body. Now, here's the thing. Um, we'll get to Matthew in just a second. Paul writes about the church in 1 Corinthians 12. We're not going to go there. And he likened the church to the body, the working of a body. There's a part for everybody, and there's no part greater than another part. We work together for the working of the kingdom. Amen. But we often talk about working together as a body, but how often do we actually work as a body? See what I mean? So, if you've ever had a physical issue with your body, when a part of your body was, uh, was sick or, or, or was damaged or something, you, you realize that, man, life is a little harder when all my body parts aren't working correctly. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? How often we talk about the church being the body, but then we don't act in such a way that we are functioning as a body. That parts of the body are, are, are missing, parts of the body are playing a, a certain role, parts of the body are, are sick. You see what I'm saying? So we have to be in a place where we understand that we are the body of Christ, we're the church, and in a certain way that we function together. So Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. The confession of, of, of the deity of Jesus by Peter. Matthew 16, 13. Now, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciple, who do people say the Son of Man is? So, so Jesus was doing all the stuff he was doing. He was teaching. There were miracles. And now the rumors are starting and people are talking about Jesus. And they said, some say John the Baptist, who, who, who was killed and then he come back again. Others say Elijah, the, the coming of the great prophet Elijah again. Others, Jeremiah, the prophet, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? That is the question that lingers in front of everybody. Jesus asked you, who do you say that I am? That's all the marbles right there. That's the whole game. Who do you say that Jesus is? Okay? And Simon Peter, uh, Simon Peter's always going to reply first to Steve, and often he gets him in trouble. This time, he's on spot, you know, bone is fear. And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Amen. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So when we come to the confession that Jesus is the Son of God, how many of you believe? Let me see. You didn't come up with that on your own. That wasn't your own, you know, moment of, of light bulb wisdom. That was the revelation of God that you responded to. Amen? Amen. But watch what, what Jesus then tells Peter. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So the revelation of who Jesus is builds the church because it's his church, he's the head. 
And it's built on who? People. The church is us, flesh and blood. Right? Revelation, people, the church is being built. But, but I like this right here, and I want you to find some confidence right here. And he says, and I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or the gates of Haiti, shall not prevail against it. You hear that? So you think about this. Based on the revelation of Jesus Christ and what he's doing in you, you can point to your neighbor and say, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Right? We can look at us as a group of people that came together this morning. And we can look at all of us in the gathering of the church and we can say the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Right? And if we wanted to, we could jump in our cars and drive to the nearest church in town, whichever one's closest to it, knock on the door, throw it over and say, hey, guess what? You're part of us, whether or not we know you or not because you're believers. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Yes. Encourage. And we all jump on an airplane. <laughs> fly to Brazil. And have them drop us off at the local church in Brazil, close to the airport. We can pop in there too. We don't know them. We don't speak the same language. They've got a different culture. But we can say, you're the church. <laughs> and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Amen. You don't get that? Now, here's the thing. We worry so much about everything that's happening that we forget that. Right? If you follow Jesus, even though sometimes it gets like this, and you stay faithful, even though it gets like this, the gate to hell will not prevail against you. Amen. You know why? Because who is building you? Who's building you? Jesus. Through the activity of who? The Holy Spirit. We've been talking about that. Jesus is working on you. Jesus was a carpenter, was he not? I'm sure he was very good at making whatever he made. Benches, tables, chairs, I don't know, maybe they constructed houses, I don't know. But however good he was as a carpenter, he is the master builder of people. He is the creator. And he can take a mess of a life and build it to the place that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That's strong. And I want you to have confidence in that. You say my life's a mess. Is Jesus building you? Yep, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Is our church perfect? No. But we're okay. You know why? Jesus is building us. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Amen. Amen. So, we are the church. At the church, we are the active presence of the body of Christ in this world. Yes. Jesus is building us. And in that, now we're being built into a people who worship him properly and we're, we're just in our life and our actions. But we're like the world. We are the intentional witness and presence of the kingdom of God in this world. The Holy Spirit is active, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have a body. We're the body. The Holy Spirit is in us. He works through us. We are the physical presence of the kingdom of God on this earth at this time. Amen. Amen. Ever since Pentecost, 
the history of the church is strong. How is it that the original group of, of followers of Jesus were 12? We think really about it, the Judas, right? That, that turns into the, the receiving the Holy Spirit, the numbers that were there. How is it 2,000 years later we are here gathered in his name being built by him? Because Jesus is building his church. Now, a guy named Ross Parsley, he's got a church in Texas, I believe. He says this. He said, it's incredible to be a part of a church where you know you belong and you know it's not perfect, but it's your family. Hear that? Yeah. It's incredible to be a part of a church, even though that church isn't perfect, but to know it's your family. Yeah. Amen. See, our credibility as the people of God is not because we're perfect. Our credibility is we have Jesus. Yes. Right? And it's good because we're not saving ourselves, Jesus is saving us. It's good we're not building ourselves, Jesus is building us. Our credibility is based on who Jesus is and what he's up to in the midst of a whole lot of imperfection. Because the church is not the gathering of the perfect people of God. Amen. It's the gathering of the people of God who are still being worked on. Amen. And we're in this, this, and the word together is important. We're in this together. We're growing together. We're helping one another. We're learning to live the Jesus way together, right? We're not perfect. We can find mess if we want to, but we have Jesus. And because of Jesus, we stay together. If you remove Jesus from the equation, we're just a nice social club. Yeah. Right? Amen. But we got Jesus. And Jesus is building us, and he's doing something with us. And by the way, all you on live stream, I love you, and, and, and I think I think uh, live stream great. I think your podcast that you listen to, uh, YouTube that you watch, where there's great teaching of Jesus out there, I'm sure. And, and, and things like this are great for those that are shut in and can't come out. But if you're physically able to gather in the church, it's important. You cannot replace the flesh and blood meeting of the church. There's a reason that we gather, and a reason we come together. As part of our being together in worship, and word, and fellowship, and community, that's part of the building of Jesus in us, and in working through us. Amen. So we come together because of what God is up to. We believe in the church because Jesus set it in motion. I believe in you because I believe in Jesus. I believe in the church because I believe in Jesus. I believe in the gathering of the saints because I believe in Jesus. So we come together, and he's doing something with us. So Colossians chapter 3, let's, let's jump there. So there's something that uh, I think is important that you always remember. Colossians chapter 3 and verse um, 10, where we're going to start. Now, when, when you are a new born saved, born again, made new, new creation, right? 
you are saved from something, which is the wrath of God, right? But you know you're also saved to something. You're saved from the penalty of sin, but you're saved to new life. You're saved from what sin causes, but you're saved to a new way of living. You're saved eventually then to eternal life. So salvation is not just, you know, my sins are forgiven. I'm just trying to hang on until Jesus comes back. Well, I want you to hang on and stand firm until Jesus comes back. But there, it's not just that. It is now what is new life about? Because I'm saved to it. Say from the old, but I'm giving new. So that means Jesus never leaves us where we are, who we were, because remember, he's building the church, and you're the church, so he's building you. What's he building? Well, new life. Right? He's building you. He's building us together. So how is it that the church is to gather together, but yet we're imperfect people? How do we make it? How do we do this thing called walking the life of Jesus together? How, how do we do this long-term discipleship together? How do we do that? Well, because we're saved to new life, and there's characteristics of new life that start to grow in our life that help us be together. So part of what Jesus is doing in changing you and building you is, is to make you a person that lives out loving your neighbor as yourself. Because he builds you in such a way to gather together, but he also builds you in such a way to be a light to the world. It's both. Amen? Yes. Colossians chapter number 3. I, I was in this passage yesterday with a group of people. And it's kind of lined up where I was yesterday and today. Paul right to the church of Colossians. And, and Paul has a tendency, and I, I've said this before, he actually has a tendency to write dense lists of stuff. Like he throws a bunch of qualities and characteristics in like pre-sentences, just a lot there, right? Like the fruit of the Spirit's an example. Well, I'm trying to a lot there, right there in a short space of, of writing. This list is sort of like that. But, but it, uh, it kind of starts to maybe uh, show the church in, in, in Colossians, look, there is a way that we have to be in order for Christ to build us the way he wants to build us. Right? Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 10. And have put on the new self, we're picking up this sense right here, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator. So when you are being built into new things, so new creation that's being built through your life, you're in the image of who? Your creator. Amen. We are becoming like him. Trading old for new. Trading uh, sinful lostness in the world, the attitude and the actions thereof, to new life in the image of our Creator. So here, now what is here? Here, that means the body of Christ, those who believe. Here, who? Us. <clears throat> Together, here, there is not Greek and Jew. So in other words, Jew following law, Greek not, that's removed. Circumcised and uncircumcised, same situation. 
Barbarian, what, what Paul was writing there back in that day, if you didn't speak Greek, you were considered more of a lower class. Barbarian just removes uh, the, the distinction between people who are not like one another, language and nationality. Scythia, now, now those guys were considered the low of the low. If you put a name on Barbarian, it would have been Scythian in that time. So, so those that, that, that seemed to be outside of social class, slave and free, which it really hits that right there. But Christ is all and in all. In other words, in Christ, all divisions and separations are removed. If you believe, if you respond, who do you say of you are the Christ, the Son of the living God? Right? Those who follow can be brought together in a vast diversity, but yet the unity of being in Christ. That's important. Because even though you're in the church, because we're gathered together in the church, the person next to you, the person behind you, the person way back in, in, in the corner of the room, and several rooms behind you, we're in this together, and it don't matter the distinction and the diversity in this room, we are all one in the body of Christ. You've got to learn to lay aside that which in your mind brings division. Yes. You think about that. So Christ brings us together. You think about us together, you look around this room, a lot of diversity here. Right? We all do the same thing, different job, some of us, of course, our skin is not the same color, okay? We're diverse. But then, like I said, you can transplant us to another country and we're totally out of the culture there. Right? But we go into the church, it's okay, that's the body of Christ. And although there's cultural and language difference, we're still one. And any place in your mind that you bring division, look out. To think that Christ has brought us together, but yet you feel you can divide. See what I'm saying? We're unified together. Brought together. The body of Christ. And then, by the way, Titus chapter 3, we'll come back to Colossians, but jump to Titus chapter 3, verse number 9, real quick. We'll come back to this. Titus chapter 3, and verse number 9. Now, it says, now watch this. Talking about division in church. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, Dissension and quarrels about the law. They are unprofitable and worthless. So Paul's writing some people that are, that are talking about a bunch of stuff that doesn't mean a hill of being to being together in the church and being built by Jesus. And it turns into dissension. It turns into division over stuff that doesn't matter. How often does that happen? I can write a book about that stuff. As long as I've been in church, I can write a book. On things that I've seen that brought division in church, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Matter of fact, uh, he writes, but avoid foolish controversies and all that stuff. Now watch what he said. As for a person who stirs up division, 
after warning him once, then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Whoa. All right. So leadership in the church, when somebody is constantly trying to bring things that are causing, uh, you know, they're, they're starting to argue, and, and there's dissension, and, and there's strife, oh, warm stop, they keep it up. Because the unity of believers is vastly important to what Jesus is doing. Yes. And where there's division, a house divided against itself will not stand. Right. Unity is important. How is it then that we can be people who are unified together? Watch this. Now remember, we're saved to something new life. Here it goes. Put on that other clothes yourself. Work with the Holy Spirit as God's chosen one. You know you're chosen by God? Yes. Oh, I first said, holy and beloved. God is holy. Mm -hmm. Without sin, but it also carries the connotation of he is separate. He is other. We as a church, we are holy, we're to be without sin, but we're also to be separate, we're to be other. In other words, different than a fallen world. Yes. Clothe yourself then because you are those people watching, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, in other words, uh, translation is after gentleness, and patience. You see how that mirrors the fruit of the Spirit in some of those. Watch it. Bearing with one another, that, that bearing with one another means putting up with something. Putting up with somebody. Right? And if one has to complain against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, be put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see those things there? Now, I don't know about you. I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. That stuff right there, humility, kindness, putting on love, that's not me naturally. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not that way. But I've been saved to something. I haven't just been saved from, I'm saved to a new way of living. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, this new creation living out, I can become these things. Well, what's the big deal? Because it's important to us coming together. It's important to us as like the world. So when you think about, think about this, when you think about how you interact with people in the church, let's just talk about it, in the church, and you think about a situation that just happened or something came up, you go back to something like this and you can ask yourself, when I did what I did, was I compassionate? Was I kind? Did I do that in humility? Was I meek? Was I gentle? Did I simply put up with it instead of just getting agitated at it? When somebody wronged me, it don't happen. Did I forgive them as the Lord forgives me? How is it that we as a body of believers can do long-term discipleship together? Because we're compassionate, we're kind, we're patient, we're gentle. We bear one another, we forgive, 
could, again, be, be rapturous for a long time, I could write a book on things that if we had just been this way, how much would have been avoided in the church? Right? You see what I'm getting at? So, I was talking about this yesterday with a group of people I was with. So whenever somebody comes to me and there's a conflict in the church, here's the first thing I always say. Are you saved? And they go, yeah. Okay. That means you have Jesus. Is the other person saved? And sometimes they're like, eh, they're saved. <laughs> All right? Do they have Jesus? Yep, guess what? We're going to work this out. Because you both have Jesus. That's right. And because Jesus in the midst situation will teach us to be compassionate, will teach us to be gentle. Crochet, hey, forgive him as I forgave you. And the church can stay together and be unified together as one because we are growing into these things. So, the, the biggest thing that I always, I always keep this in my mind, whenever we do, whatever we do, when I'm thinking about what, what I'm going to teach about, when I'm thinking about the direction of the church, when I'm thinking about finances, everything, I always think, remember, we're a church. We're a church. Nothing more. Nothing less. And Jesus, not me, the pastor, not the leaders, Jesus is building us. If we'll be led by him. Right? And because Jesus is who he is, if we allow him to, we will be who we're supposed to be together. Listen, you're not meant to do the Christian life alone. Don't try. Right? Now, you can be the church. You are the church, right? And, and I know that there are people that say, ah, you know, I'm strong in my word. I get it. I get it. But there's a reason we're called together. You're not meant to do this alone. We're here for you. To pray together, to pray for you. To love you in a way that maybe you don't get loved anywhere else. We're here to bear your burdens. You don't have to do it alone. Oh, by the way, let me just, can I do a little side shoot about that? Just kind of throw this out real quick. So as, as the pastor of the church, of the many things that I am and am not, just understand, I can't read your mind. <laughs> I don't want to read your mind. And nobody else here can read your mind. So if there's a burden to bear, you have to say something. So we can pray. So we can help out. You see what I'm saying? So some people get upset because, well, I was going through that and nobody said that. Nobody knew. Trust me, we don't sit around and, and talk about your life as much as y'all think we do. We don't. I promise you. Don't do it. If you have a burden to bear, share it. Right? So we're here for each other. To walk this thing out together. Because there's times in your life where things are crazy, but we gather around and we pray and we help. And if there's times your life isn't crazy, then guess what you're doing? You're gathering around and praying and you're helping. And we do this together, long term. Right? Now, you, you being here, being a member of this church, I don't, you're not signing like a life, life long contract here, okay? It's not like that. Let me just tell you, I'll tell you 
just little thing real quick. My grandfather died, right? He died, he was, he was 90-something. Um, and so I was able to go back to Pennsylvania for the funeral. And I knew he was involved in his church. You know, he, at one time he was on the elder board. Uh, he, he was the guy that oversaw the, the care of the church. He was inside a carpenter, inside being a farmer. Um, so he was very involved in the church. Also, in the early days of the church, he was the guy that dug the graves. You know, it's one of those churches, way out of the church, right behind it is, is, is the graveyard, one of those churches. He was the guy that would come out and, and dig the graves for the funeral. So he was very involved in the church. But when I was there, they said, hey, I want to show you something. And, and they pulled this book out, right? And I'm going to show you the very first time your grandfather was on register and attendance at the church. They had the history of the church attendance in the books. First time my grandfather was on attendance in the history of that church, he was two weeks old. And he was in the same church his entire 90-year life through four pastors. Two of them were there to do the funeral. One of them came back from wherever he was. A couple of them had passed away, I think. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that in a or wrong. I'm not saying that. But the point is, sometimes we have to have a long-term mentality. Because if you know anything about sowing and reaping, you can't be changing all the time to get a harvest. You've got to put in and stick and work, right? So we're here together for a reason. For a reason. What I love about this church, and one of the very first things we notice about this church, is you guys have a tendency to like each other. <laughs> and it's cool. And you'll see that in lot of so, so when you guys do the after worship meeting, I have to, hey, hey, five times before everybody sits down. <laughs> I got threatened to buy a whistle today, you know. <laughs> Just understand it doesn't bother me. I think it's the greatest thing. I like it. Because it shows that no matter what in the diversity we have, there's got to be some level of compassion and kindness and all this stuff that you guys wouldn't do that again. <laughs> we like it. The fellowship of community that comes with being built together is very important. All right, let's keep reading here. I'm at, I'm at my time, so let's finish this out. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Again, that pulling together of a body. We can be one body because we have the peace of Christ that rules our hearts. Why? He's the Prince of Peace. And notice this, and be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, and thanksgiving and thankfulness in your hearts to God. So that's why we can talk about the gathering together because what Paul writes right there. It talks about coming together and growing together and singing together. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We come together in the name of Jesus. Everything we do together is in the name of Jesus. Why? For the glory of Jesus, who's our head. And we do it with thankful hearts. That's why I will tell you, come to church and be glad when they said unto me, let's go to the gathering of church on South Water Street, near Urbana. Amen. Amen. Come with a glad heart. 
If your heart is heavy, we're here to minister to you. If your heart is not, let's minister to each other. Let us celebrate together in song. Let loose a little bit. Let's get down into the worship of our Savior. Find us in unity. Amen. Let's pray for each other. It's simply, above all things, put on love. So we pray for you every day. I promise you. I ain't a lot of other things, but I'm not for And in one of the prayers I pray for it, help you love them more. I want to love them more. And then we get in, I got my flashcards, and I have, I have flashcards with everybody's name on it. I just go through flashcards and I pray for you. Even if you've been here, been here, your name's on a flashcard. I'm praying. Right? And, and we're at it. Because we want to do this together. Amen. 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 All right, so turn to your neighbor one more time. Say, you're the church. And say, believe it or not, tell them, believe it or not, I love you. And we're going to do this together. By the way, during uh, the time where we prayed for each other earlier, if you raised your hand and somebody didn't trust you, please tell me afterwards so I can pray for you. Don't be able to miss anybody. Other than that, I'm going to pray for the Smith to get over to the park for Fall Fest, and I'm going to chase you through and have a couple of people. We'll be there. Let's just fellowship together this afternoon, okay? Lord, we thank you. We come together. Grow us, Lord, in all the things we need to grow into. Do church together. I pray each one of us today strengthen encouraged to know that the gates of hell will not prevail against them or us together. We stand firm in you, and we follow you, and we do it together. So we praise you today, we worship you once again. Bless those who are here today, bless those that are watching on live stream. Whatever situation we're encountering, we know you're with us. I, I pray that you prove yourself as you always do faithful to us. For your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody's good. Amen. 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 Well, good to see you today. We'll see you Wednesday.